0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Fish Window Cleaning, the largest professional window cleaning company in the country. With over 200 locally owned and operated franchises, you are sure to be able to find an office near you where they can help you brighten your world at work or at home. For professional window cleaning at residential or commercial properties, look up Fish Window Cleaning at fishwindowcleaning.com. Everybody, I'm Josh.
1: And I am Alyssa. And we come
0: back with another episode of The Podcast Was on Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Bo Butcher. I'm an old longtime
1: Dresden Dresdener. And this is my first time through. And together... We're making the world explode. (laughs) We're doing that.
0: Navigating the stormy weather, the stormy seas of the streets of Southern California after Tropical Storm Hillary.
1: Well, I mean, down there it was the earthquake, right? Did you there feel the a, earthquake? <laughs> there was a earthquake. I stopped feeling earthquakes in like 1989. It just <laughs> you just kind of roll. They with have the, to be pretty significant for me to be like, wait. Sometimes I'll just be like, oh, that was an earthquake, and just keep going. Yeah, no, literally the last time I remember feeling mm-hmm. an earthquake mm-hmm.
0: was the one that was on Easter Sunday, like a decade ago,
2: and uh-huh, only funny. because
0: we, we were at Grandma's uh-huh. and um, <clears throat> Scott was there, just because randomly my buddy's my buddy Scott, and it was his first ever earthquake. Oh
1: how? Hey. Aw, baby
0: snake earthquake! Cute little Texan. Everything's bigger in Texas except for the uh, geologic shifts. <laughs> that's um, fantastic. But that's literally, that was the last time I remember feeling one. That's like,
1: funny. You
0: know, because what we used, we had, growing up, we have these, they're not chandeliers. We're not, uh, this isn't the OC, bitch.
1: They're hang, hanging light fixtures. <laughs>
0: yeah, hanging, hanging lights over the living room table and the dining room table. And that's how we could tell if there was an earthquake. Cause you never really sure unless it's like really big Yeah, is like we'd look and if the lights were swinging, Oh, it was, it was an earthquake. It wasn't yeah. just in my imagination.
1: Well, and there was a couple years when I had a water bed, and that's the only reason I'd know it was an earthquake. Cause it'd be like oh. sloshing around. Yep. Okay. It's an earthquake. And then you just go back to sleep. I do remember the big one. There's a big one in, 94? I think it was 94. Yeah. And that was like, I jumped out of bed and was like, Oh shit. That's a big one. And then it stopped. Nothing had fallen off the shelf. So I was like, okay, I'm good. And went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 94,
0: I think, was the Northridge. That was pro- probably the biggest.
1: Yeah. And we probably. would have, we felt that one down in yeah. San Diego. But yeah. Oh,
3: oh my and, God.
4: That, that was, I, fa- welcome, I found. Uh, welcome back I, to Earthquake Talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is... Huh. tectonic tectonic talk with Josh
4: joshie
1: <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> oh goodness how are you today ice i am surviving
0: that is a good way to be it's really the only way to be
1: it's that or, the, okay. that or the other thing surviving out of spite <laughs> fuck the world <laughs> hack the planet but i did get, i did get my embroidery machine back from the embroidery machine shop so
0: I love that you have an embroidery machine guy.
1: <laughs> I have to find one.
0: I went on the up and down hills bike ride today and yelled at Kyle the whole time. I do this. My friend <laughs> is more athletic than me, which isn't saying that's damning with faint praise. But we, we, when some, sometimes we go on the most hilly, goddamn, awful, miserable route. And I just complain the whole time. And I like to think it's charming and endearing. It's probably not. <laughs> but at one point I was in front of him. He's like, whoa, I know what I'm getting you. A new bib. So there's too much ass up there. It's like if I have to suffer, you have to suffer. God, I think Kyle is hilarious. I was not aware uh, that my booty was hanging. That my uh my so like biking shorts. You know, they as you wear them out, they get thin and eventually. Yeah. Ain't, ain't nobody want to see that. <laughs>
3: oh jeez. Oh, that is life so life. funny.
0: Did you know that it's been like six months since we've had any promotions in the U.S. military? Really. And you know that it's because Tommy Tuberville is putting. Oh in one, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, I knew about the Tommy Tuberville
0: thing. A one man hold. It's only for like high level personnel. I, I think. Yeah. Little guys. Just yeah, the, think, Yiddle, the Yiddle the guys. I don't. I don't know how much they enjoy being called Yiddle guys. Probably the, a lot. But the Yiddle guys in the military have been promoted. I'm guessing, but. Um.
3: Yeah. Because they kind of have
1: to, just so they can keep moving.
0: Yeah, but fucking up our entire command structure just for funsies. Because he's a piece of shit. You know something that she don't worry folks she doesn't she doesn't hate him because he's a republican she hates him because she's a cincinnati grad (laughs) but also because he's uh for other reasons too Uh, auburn fans listen to podcasts too (laughs) i think he was at maybe i'm making that up i think he was at cincinnati and and before auburn either way um i will break i love it the reason i brought that up is barring any uh with unanimous with unanimous consent, I will move on to catching us up before you break down chapter 30. That sounds like a good idea. I promise, it all sounds ridiculous. Well, that's mostly because it is, but there's also like there is a a couple of the synapses do fire, they just don't fire <laughs> in a row. So you got to go the roundabout way through my brain. And you guys choose
1: to download this podcast, so you're along <laughs> for the ride. Well, that's the thing though, it's like I drive people crazy because of the way I think like that. My logical process it, dad used to always be like, how did you, f- why be like, it's just how my brain works. Okay. That's why I don't work for math. People show your work. <laughs> I
0: don't have no fucking.
1: Oh, <laughs> are you sure about that? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and that's the best part about what I do is because you document everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't have to tell you how I got to that point. I can just take pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was first started as an investigator, used to get uh, my trainer who was a douchebag used to give me shit because I took too many pictures. He's like, "You're not an autopsy assistant anymore. You don't need to take so many pictures." But then I had another case that ended up it had potential to go upside down and backwards, not because of me, but because of press coverage and shit like that. And my lead supervisor was like, "No, no, no! You took pictures of everything." <laughs> I was like, "Well, that's what I do." So it's like, that's the, that's the best way. Like, I document things. Like, I have to, I write notes. If I write it down, it commits it to memory. It's like, you know, I'm a little bit all over the place. But that's, I, I, I just, our brains work different. And that's why we get along so well, because we make sense to each
4: other. All right. So. Let's get into it. Harry has just gone to scoop up
0: Murphy from the family reunion party that she had no interest in being at and she was wearing a mm-hmm. dress and they meet up with their wheelman and their shutdown mavera man cuz every good bit of crime needs a shutdown mavera man mm-hmm. uh, and Ebenezer McCoy they head on out to the red cross or rather the homeless shelter where the black court scourge has set up shop and they arrived in town and we recognize that they've been there for a couple weeks which bodes ill
2: because Mm -hmm. if a bad
0: guy sets up shop and then basically invites you in. It's probably, um, it's a trap. And they know that, but they really can't not go in there anyway, because we know there are hostages Mm -hmm. and there's a fresh supply of bodies coming in, you know, to the shelter. So they meet up with Kincaid. They have Ebenezer drop them off because they don't want to spook Kincaid. And so they walk up, they talk about ways and means they get dressed into the costumes of uh, the red red cross uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then Ebenezer drives up in his old Chevy pickup. I assume it's a Chevy. I don't even know if they ever say it is, but could be a Ford. It's true. It could be a Ford. Certainly it's American made. And uh, as soon as he pulls up and hops out, Kincaid says, so who's this, who's this wheel man? And Ebenezer says, so who's this mercenary or something along those lines? And they both Again. eat, they both see each other, and as soon as they do, they both go for their weapons, and we have ourselves a bit of a standoff.
1: So they both have pulled out their guns. Kincaid is so fast. Did I not cl- cover that with the standoff? You, you, you did, thank you. But <laughs> Kidding, sorry. Harry describes Kincaid drawing his weapon as one of the guns he'd had on him. Got to his hands so quick it might have been teleported there from under his coat. But even as he raised his gun toward the old wizard, there was a flash of emerald light from a plain steel ring on Ebenezer's hand. So these guys are, this is, this is not just, not just some friendly gun play. This is some serious shit. And Harry's like, what the hell? And he puts himself between them. His, he's in the line of fire for both of them. Kincaid's pistol in line with the spine and Ebenezer's shotgun in line with his head. Which seemed like a positive at the moment. <laughs> He figures as long as he's between them, they can't get a clean shot at each other. He says, put the, shot, put the shotgun down. I said, Kincaid, put the pistol away. Kincaid's voice behind me sounded no different than it had at breakfast. That sounds like a fairly low percentage move for me, Dresden. No offense. I told you, Ebenezer said, his voice different. Cold and terrible and hard. I'd never heard the old man speak that way before. I told you if I ever saw you again, I'd kill you. Which is one reason I have you haven't seen me, Kincaid answered. There's no point to this if we start shooting. The kid's going to get hit. Neither of us has interest in that. I'm supposed to believe you give a damn about him. Half a damn, maybe. I sort of like him. But what I meant was, there's no profit for either of us in killing him. So Harry is obviously pissed off and confused. He tells them to put the guns down. Stop, stop talking about him like he's a kid. And they ignore him because, of course, why are you? This is kid. Why are you here? Ebenezer demanded, ignoring me. I'm a hired gun, Kincaid said. Dresden hired me. Do the math, black staff.
3: Names are important.
1: Names are important. Of all people, you should know how it goes. The kid doesn't know what we do, does he? Harry, get down. You want me down? I said. I met Ebenezer's eyes and said, then I want your word. You aren't going to open up on Kincaid until we've talked. Damn it, boy. I'm not giving my word to that. Not him. Give me your word, sir. Now. The old man's gaze wavered. He lifted his forward hand from the shotgun, fingers spread in a conciliatory gesture. He let the barrel ease down. All right, my word to you. Yours too, Kincaid. I'm working for you right now, Dresden. You already have it. Then put the gun away. To my surprise, he did. (laughs) What the hell was that about? I demanded. Defending myself, Kincaid said, don't give me that crap. Anger touched Kincaid's voice. It was a cold thing that lined his words with frost. Self-defense. If I'd known your fucking wheelman was Blackstaff McCoy, I'd have been in another state by now, Dresden. I want nothing to do with him. I love this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he, you know he's like, it's a little late for that, obviously. And he he, talk, he glares at Ebenezer. What are you doing? Taking care of a problem, Harry? You don't know this. His mouth twisted with bitter revulsion. This thing. You don't know what it's done. Then we learn that uh, Ebenezer was responsible for Casa Verde. Nice
0: work at Casa Verde.
1: hmm Kincaid met my eyes, calm and defiant. Permission to engage in philosophical debate with the hypocrite. <laughs> he shuts Kincaid down and says, This man took me in when no one else would, and it probably saved my life. He taught me that magic, that life was more than killing and power. You might be a badass, Kincaid, but you aren't worth the mud that falls off his goddamn boots. If it came to it, I'd trade your life for his without a second thought. And if I see you trying to provoke him again, I'll kill you myself. Do you understand? Harry's pissed. And Harry doesn't make threats on people's lives. We've never heard that before. Unless they're in a moment of like an actual battle. And now he's, he's, he would kill Kincaid to protect Ebenezer. But he also says, you know, he's, his anger had gotten him into too many bad situations, historically speaking. So he knows he needs to chill the fuck out. I'd had a good reason to slap Kincaid down. I couldn't believe that he would have the temerity to compare himself to my old teacher in any sense. Hell, from what Ebenezer had said, Kincaid wasn't even human. I wonder who said that. Who's been talking about that for uh, (laughs) weeks? And then we get a little bit.
4: We get a little bit of
1: Harry's learned views on magic. Justin Demorne had taught me how to do magic, but it was Ebenezer who had taught me why that magic came from the heart, from the essence of what the wizard believed from who and what he chose to be, that the power born into any wizard carried with it the responsibility to use it to help his fellow man, that there were things worth protecting, defending, and that the world could be more than a jungle where the strong survived and the weak were devoured. Ebenezer was the only man on the planet to whom I regularly applied an honorific. And he talks about how he had done a soul gaze with Ebenezer, but a soul gaze wasn't a lie detector test. It shows you the core of that person. It doesn't mean they can't lie to
4: you. There's work to be done,
1: Ebenezer. I don't know what you know about Kincaid, but he knows his business. I asked him here. I need his help. I need yours too. Are you in? Yes, of course. Then we move now we talk later so and murphy comes out of the van where she's changed she's wearing jeans a shirt the red cross hat and the j- and jacket Kincaid had given her she's got on her gun belt and she held herself a little differently so i figured she had strapped on her kevlar vest she came prepared and i love her for that and so he talks about you know we've got renfields and their dark hounds guns and teeth it's not like guns and ships and ships and so's Ball in shifts <laughs> Uh, Everything is Hamilton.
4: Rendezvous with Rochambeau.
1: Sorry, Karen. I love it. And so they talk about tactics. And Harry says, you've done the most. what, What do you suggest? Something in a Mossberg. Can you handle a shotgun? He asks Murphy. She says, yeah. These are close quarters, though. We need something heavy like that to stop a charge, but the barrel would need to be cut short. Kincaid gave her a look and said, that would be an illegal weapon. Then he reached in the van and handed her a shotgun with a barrel that had been cut down to the end just above the fore grip, forward grip. Morphe snorted and checked the shotgun. <laughs> I love it that
0: she's just like, okay. I well, do I love- mean, That hmm? conversation last week where she, she kind of decided to be a vigilante, basically, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, in, in universe, it's better. In real world, by God, for worse. But it- um, She's- just flipped a switch, basically. Now she's just chuckling about illegal weapons and stuff. Yeah. It is it is kind of jarring, but it's also funny enough that I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's it, I love the um I love the interactions between Murphy and Kincaid. Yeah. I literally wrote down, can I ship Murphy and Kincaid? <laughs> and I thought that before the the later parts of this, these these chapters, too. Um and he pulls out a
4: big old spear and Spear and
1: magic helmet. Be very, very quiet. We're hunting vampires. (laughs) Kincaid gave me the kind of smile that would make dogs break into nervous howls. You can picture that. It's fantastic. You got your stick ready there, Dresden? (laughs) Yeah. And then we learned that the spear has incendiary lights on both sides or incendiary rounds. And it's a pretty gnarly piece of equipment he's created. And if there's a pressure trigger on the butt end, it's pretty crazy. He based it on the bang sticks as National Geographic guys made for diving for sharks. I looked from the gadget readied spear to my and body armor to my slender staff of plain old wood and leather duster. My dick is bigger than your dick, I said. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I giggled while I was reading that. Uh, and then, so we talk about kind of Murphy's. Im- information about the Black Court versus reality, and we learn older or stronger members of the Black Court might not be totally incapacitated by the sunlight, might not even inconvenience Mavra, I said. Stroker's Dracula ran around in broad daylight. But between daylight and Ebenezer, Mavra shouldn't have much in the way of powers. If there are any Black Court on their feet who want to come for us, they'll have to do it the dirty way. And so Kincaid said, that's why he's gotten him a surprise. And he hands him a future, futuristic looking weapon, a gun. It's a paintball gun. (laughs) It's It's a high tech weapon and it isn't loaded with paint. The ammunition is interspersed, holy water and garlic loads. It'll hurt and frighten dark hounds and it'll chew holes in any vamp that, that are moving vamps that are moving around. While not putting any holes in us, Murphy chimed in, or in innocent bystanders she's impressed, I think she's she's really impressed with with Kincaid's forethought on this. I really really think so mm-hmm. and then he- uh Murphy also gets a machete
4: because he says, you know, kill it, how stakes
1: screw stakes, take off its head. She clipped the machete onto her belt, gotcha, there you go. They started a little bit more about uh, Talk about their offensive. And okay, can, Kate said, anyone have any other questions? Why do they sell hot dogs in packages of 10, the hot dog buns in packages of eight? I asked. Everyone glared at me. I should probably leave off wizarding and chase my dream of becoming a stand up comedian. Instead, I put my toy gun in my right hand, my staff in my left, and said, let's go. <laughs> I love the snark in the times of high stress. It's just, it's wonderful at this
0: point Murphy it has to be endearing at this point right like yeah I think
1: like, she w- shut the she fuck
0: would up just roll her fucking eyes oh my
1: gosh but it's also probably like expected
0: yeah <laughs> like if he doesn't quip then
4: it's like you know something's wrong oh shit wrong. something's really wrong
1: like we learned in the last bit <laughs> yeah
4: they drive the red cross van up to the front
0: and Harry sends the the, the other two in because he's assuming that Mavra has her crew on the lookout for Harry in particular. Um he says they, they might know be looking for Murphy also, but because the, she's got the uniform and the hat, you know, maybe she'll get away with it. Yeah. Um, but somebody has got to go in and get the, the bystanders out. <laughs> like for Kincaid says, how should I do that? Hell's bells. You're the big time mercenary. <laughs> what am I paying you for? <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: they, they Try to figure out the response time of CPD, just so that they have you know enough time to get away and all that. Because it's kind
0: of gang territory, the police response time is going to be lower, which gives them
4: a little bit more of an advantage in this situation. Um, I do like that. Kincaid gets into character
0: here. Mm-hmm. Goes in and talks with a Chicago accent. <laughs> of convincing the people to get out because there's a like a gas leak or a you know maybe there's a a detector or something um, issue, but um, just him him being able to switch gears so quickly I think is a testament to his skill set and his mm-hmm. abilities, which I, I like when our heroes in the Kincaid is not strictly speaking a hero by anyone's definition, but I like when they show the competency instead of just telling us oh he's this big scary mercenary who can do anything like you see him do cool shit with his guns and then here he can convince a group of people who are skeptical to get out of the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even more impressive. Where's bill. Bill's the red cross guy. You're not bill. He's on vacation, you know, like just mm-hmm. um, with a good natured smile that doesn't touch his eyes. Cause he's dead inside. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, welcome to my yife. So they go in and they see some people kind of just hanging out against the cubicle wall and Murphy puts her gun on them. Which, as we know from you know, she's a cop, so she obviously wouldn't do that if she wasn't very serious and wary
3: mm-hmm. uh, she'd
0: she have her gun pointed down or something of the sort, and Harry makes in a decision you know he says that they should have been afraid, they weren't, they just stood there, eyes dull, faces set in vacant bovine
1: expressions he's calling them dumb cows,
0: yes, 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 he is, but I like that you know, that livestock metaphor mm-hmm. continues on here. He goes into his site and we see,
4: he sees them as basically sheep at the slaughter mm-hmm. lambs to the slaughter, as they say, um,
0: where, and he goes through a very graphic description of how you slaughter, a uh, sheep, which for our, which for any of our rural, more rural listeners may not sound that extreme or anything like that, but I don't love the blood and twitching and all that stuff. That's not my, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, (laughs) But most, almost all of the hostages or personnel here look like
4: that, which suggests that they're the, the thralls except for one who shows initially as the sheep,
0: What's an Oxford shirt? I was wondering that as I was uh, It's up. a button-up
1: collared shirt.
0: Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because I just contextualized it because he said they're business casual, but I don't know what things mean. It's okay. Because um, Joshi knows smart is good as some lists, <laughs> but uh, one of the six is not a thrall. He is a Renfield. So he starts out kind of, he shows the sheep and then he immediately is vanished. That image vanishes and is replaced by something inhuman twisted and deformed and his muscles swelled hideously bulging with blackened veins, quivering with unnatural power, which makes me think of uh Batman forever Bane. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of yeah. the I get for that where just kind of a cartoonishly big bulky with veins and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> my brain goes places. Plus Uma Thurman as poison. Ivy. I mean, what, what else are we doing here? This is now the <laughs> Uma Thurman as poison Ivy podcast. just breaking down scene after scene Mm -hmm. Um, this is a really interesting description again it's in his sight right so this isn't what he actually looks like Mm -hmm. but the man's eyes looked as if they'd been clawed out by something with tiny scalpel sharp talons I met his blind gaze and there was nothing there nothing just an empty darkness so vast and terrible that my lungs froze and my breath locked in my throat which is just such a great Description. It really is. It's a great, I mean, it is a really powerful narrative tool, the site. And we've seen that as far back as, as Stormfront where you can use it to tell more of the story than you really would get just by looking Mm -hmm. at it with your mundane site. So it's almost cheating in a way. And I don't mean that in a negative, it's just kind of how I'm working through this, but it gives you so many more tools Mm -hmm. narratively to describe what's happening and, and show how broken this character is. Uh, or the you know, this creature. it's not even a character, it's just a thing, but I really like the use of it there, and that paragraph is so great, mm-hmm. but it's just it's it would be really hard without the site to describe why it's okay that Murphy kills this guy
1: yeah well what it, what I'm kind of like how i it's every time he uses the site, it's you know when you have those like those feelings about people where there's like, oh. They look so nice on the outside, but they're so dead and they're just a dead zombie inside. And his sight is- Are you in my mirrors? (laughs) His sight is, is that, is that how, just an average person, how you feel about someone, that kind of like internal like vibe about someone. And that's what it shows. And it's really a cool tool, a, a cool storytelling tool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like all the other tools at his disposal- they add that indelibility where he can't get rid of anything he sees so mm-hmm. that he can't overuse it. And it doesn't create, you know, stays away from that Superman problem where he, he can't just flip his sight on and read every situation. So it is yeah. cool. But in these important moments, you know, kind of towards the climax of the novels, yeah. coincidentally, he gets to use it. And further through the sight, we see an angel blazing with fury and savage strength. I love it a shaft of fire, you know, a fiery sword in her hands. So good. And this is Murphy. But the second half of the description is, is just as interesting to me as her being an angel, but it's a blazing, furious angel. But she's dressed in soiled robes, smudged with smoke and blood and filth. No longer white, She bled from half a dozen wounds and moved
4: as if in terrible pain. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, it's I really like it because it's it's very much while she is this avenging angel with strength. She's not. That's not all she is. She's not power. She's not completely immune
0: to the dangers and the- to
1: yeah, anything, you know, like she's she it's the kind of concept that we all have things that are going on that not everybody knows about.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I'm, yeah, I was just actually going to say that. I I don't know if all of these are physical wounds, you know, she's she's got a ton of stuff going on internally and you would see that.
1: Yeah. I also really like though, how the site, it creates indelible marks on Harry's mind. Mm -hmm. And so he uses it with caution. Yeah. And I like that story aspect of, of the, the site because of that
4: yeah no full stop it gives it a little bit more oomph technically speaking and it's the it's cool the description of him. he sees her killing this
0: former human with her shotgun Mm -hmm. but with her through the sight it it just kind of looks cool
1: He's an avenging angel
0: Yeah, but she's killing something with a sawed-off shotgun, which is just kind of funny. Which, it's the
1: balance of the two. Mm -hmm.
0: And as he kind of stumbles away from that, he turns and he sees something enormous, silent, merciless, and deadly. It had to crouch to keep from brushing the ceiling with the horns curling away from its head and bat-like wings spread from its shoulders to fall around and behind it. Thought he saw some kind of hideous double image lurking behind it, like the corpse specter
4: of death himself, and he pushes his sight away, and he's looking at Kincaid. Quite a bit to unpack there. Angel versus demon energy. I was reading. I was. I, it was a
0: TikTok or somewhere on Reddit. It was just a description of the you know kind of the classic description of angels and demons, mm-hmm. where demons are generally displayed with cloven cloven hooves. And mm-hmm. horns, eyes—you know—in the front, or <laughs> but the way they're described is generally as herbivores and prey. Interesting. Whereas the angels are described more as predators. Um, if you you know if you would apply those same kind of qualities to
2: mm-hmm.
0: just an interesting, just kind of a funny. That um, is really interesting, thing, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, what animals have horns and and hooves? That also eat your face off. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, certainly a moose is terrifying and has those things, but that's a different, terrifying just because it's a, it's a moose. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's neither here nor there. It's just that, that conversation made me think about it. Um, but we already have an idea that Kincaid isn't human.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: this certainly lends itself to that. I don't know if there's too much to make of death lurking behind him beyond I mean he's a he's merc- a
1: hired killer
0: yeah he's a mercenary so death does lurk behind him so I, yeah I, I, I don't know if that's something we should read into too deeply of course we shouldn't ignore it
1: yeah um,
4: but Nothing is ever done yeah butcher doesn't do something on, on accident yeah you should talk about Chekhov's
0: house like butcher's house has got to be the same way <laughs> like yeah, exactly she sent me a meme this week where it's like, Stay. I, 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 I should I, post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, let's do that. But, but pick something up. Oh, I wonder what this is going to do. Uh, you know, as you're walking through Chekhov's house, looking at mm-hmm. stuff. obviously, ooh, feeling... what's this for? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very facile thing to lean into, but it is so important. I mean, it's one of the most important, simplest rules in storytelling is mm-hmm. you know, Chekhov's gun, right? If you're going to, if you're going to mention something, make sure it comes up later. You're not just mentioning stuff for funsies is the idea. Exactly, And that's about as deep as my literally literary analysis knowledge was six months ago. And it's very slightly deeper. Now
1: I'm going to schedule this. I'm going to schedule this meme to post on Sunday. (laughs) Oh, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) He he shuts off the site,
4: does not let uh, Kincaid help him up.
1: Yes. Which is interesting.
4: Uh, which, yeah, prideful, hairy stuff,
0: I very much fits. But he asked Murphy if she's okay, and she's not. I mean, she just murdered a human being you know, yeah. in her mind. And she knows it was a Renfield. She knows that his mind was broken. We saw, you know, last week, she's come to terms with this, at least in theory, what she needs to do. But she's got blood all over her. She's trying to be tough. And, and Harry says to her, "He was already gone. I saw him, Murph. I saw him. There wasn't anything left inside. He was less than an animal. There was nothing else you could have done." Shut the fuck up, Harry. Was her quiet response, mm-hmm. which is very apt. And obviously, that's not offensive to Harry. That is just, you know, when when she, you she's,
1: need, yeah, but, you need to somebody to not. Yeah,
0: just shut the fuck up. Yeah,
1: just leave leave me the fuck alone.
0: Let me deal with this. Let me process this. Exactly. When I want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. Exactly. This is is not what we're doing right now.
4: We got shit to do. Let's go through. Exactly. Story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So they get to
0: a door. Harry checks it for wards. Doesn't, Doesn't feel him any. Doesn't feel anything on the other side. But who fucking knows? Yeah, in this point. And then Kincaid grunts, and kicks open the door. Murphy blinked at Harry. You know, Kincaid is a big guy, but it's tough to kick down doors.
1: And this is obviously
0: significant because it's it's hard to kick down a door. But I also
1: love that Murphy noticed it too, because Murphy would. Murphy has more experience with doors being kicked in. Absolutely. Yeah. And, And the other thing is they talk about how old this building is. And- the doors on old buildings are going to be a little bit stronger than on modern buildings. Well, they actually spent all the money required to make the building. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Properly. Well, uh, and it, you know,
1: there was less like there wasn't particle board and things like that. Cause if this building is a couple, like a hundred years old or whatever, yeah. or even 80 years old, like it's going to have stronger doors. Oh, of course. Well,
0: whenever, yeah, I guess af- anytime after the fire, it could have been built. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's true. But I like that Harry says, maybe he'd just gotten lucky. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah, I believe that. The image of that enormous demonic thing that had crouched in the mercenary's place loomed with a terrible clarity in my head. You know, like you mentioned, like
1: it's it's always going to loom with a yeah. terrible clarity in his head. His sight and the soul gazes. He talks about all the time. Every time it comes up, he talks about how it is indelibly marked on his mind. Yeah. Which And this angel versus demon energy we have got in his compadres here it's really interesting.
0: This would be great. Again, we talk about cinematic,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: if I was directing this, <laughs> I would constantly make sure that uh, Kincaid was on Mur- on Harry's left and Murphy was on his right after Yes.
3: That. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> just, you
0: know, small little symbolism stuff. Yeah. But after they kick down the door, Kincaid lifts the spear and points it down the stairway. And there's only silence.
4: But then, there's a soft, mocking laugh. Creepy. Hell's bells. That's
0: not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) When you're sneaking into the monster's lair and you think it might be a trap, and then you hear a mocking laugh. Uh, I love that quote. Is that going to be one of yours, too?
4: No. Okay, good. Um...
1: It's not just a soft mocking laugh. It makes Harry's neck crawl.
4: Oh, yeah. Of course it it does.
1: Like, that would make my heart stop. You'd be like, fuck. We are so fucked right now. Kincaid takes the lead, Murphy behind him,
0: and Harry pulling up the rear with his paintball gun. And Murphy asks where they're keeping the hostages. And, you know, Harry answers where Bob told him, in the closet at the bottom of the stairs on the right. Mm -hmm. And Kincaid wisely says that that was hours ago. They could be anywhere now. Once we go down there, there's no room for playing around. The hostages are our first concern. Screw Mm -hmm. that. That's exactly why the vamps took hostages in the first place. If you let them dictate your tactics, they're going to use it to kill you. That isn't your concern. It is when I'm standing this close to you. They might get Mm -hmm. me instead. Good point. Fair (laughs) point,
3: well
1: made.
0: But the whole point of this is to get the hostages out. That's why we didn't do the Bolshevik Muppet Mm -hmm. from the get-go. And, you know, they continue this conversation here. Kincaid says it might be a little hard to rescue them if we're dead. Murphy puts the gun right up against his spine and asks, (laughs) how good is that armor? Sometimes Murphy has a way with words. I love her so much. We might get killed trying to save the hostages. We will get killed if we don't stick together.
3: Mm -hmm. Do
0: the math, Kincaid, or break your agreement and get out. (laughs) Fine. We do it your way. It's amateur night. We started down the first flight of stairs together while whatever waited in the darkness below us laughed again.
4: Oy, oy. That's some horror movie shit.
1: Yeah. Horror movie shit. No, no, thank you. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Okay. The basement was unusually deep, especially for Chicago. The stairs went down about 10 feet and were only about two and a half feet wide. I, this is, of course, I overponder things because that's just my nature. So the city of Chicago is sinking. I don't know if anybody's aware of that, um, but there's a couple cities that are sinking and have had issues with sinking. Like Seattle's a big one. But um, so the city of Chicago is sinking four to eight inches per century, which doesn't seem like much, but it's, you know, a centimeter every decade or something like that. That's a lot or centimeter every year. That's a lot uh, for a city to sink. So it's kind of makes me wonder like, Was that why this basement was so deep or whatever? I, of course, overthink things. Or if is it um, the depth of the basement, why the black court was so attracted to it? I don't know. But those are just my ponderances. The stale air smelled like mildew and rot. Our breathing and our movements sounded incredibly loud otherwise. In the otherwise oppressive silence that followed. And I found myself pointing the paintball gun forward over Murphy's head and Kincaid's shoulder, So that I could start shooting as soon as something bounded into view. For all the good it was likely to be. It was likely to do. So they get to the end of the stairway and there's a half open door. And Harry says he doesn't have the nerves for this crap. And Kincaid asks if he wants a Valium. Just kiss my ass. There's a couple of uh, glow sticks down the hall. And there's nothing moving. And pretty much this confirms... Uh, Bob's map. So apparently Bob's, Bob's really good at making maps. Um, and closet first, I said, cover me. Kincaid flowed down the last couple of stairs through the door. Murphy kept within a foot of his back. Kincaid peeled off to the right. Murphy dropped into a crouch, shotgun aimed at the green lit hall to the left. I wasn't as smooth, but I went after Kincaid, paintballs and staff ready. This is a really small closet. It's only, the door's only five feet high. And Kincaid listens at the door and then lets Harry touch it. Harry couldn't feel any
4: enchantments. So Kincaid gets
1: into kind of a ready position. They open the door and there are children. Half a dozen children. None of them older than nine or ten. Huddled against the back wall of the closet. They were dressed in cast off clothing. Most of it far too big and they wore still cuffs on their hands. The cuffs, in turn, were locked to a larger chain attached to a heavy steel ring, bolted into the floor. The children reacted in silent terror, flinching away from the doorway and from the light. Children. Someone was going to regret this. If I had to take this building, hell, this block, apart with nothing but raw will and my bare hands, someone was going to pay. Even the monster should draw a line somewhere. Then again, I guess that's why they call them monsters. Son of a bitch, I snarled and ducked and ducked my head and... Son of a bitch, I snarled and ducked my head to step into the room. Kincaid abruptly threw his weight against me, shoving me aside from the door. "No," he growled. "Damn it, get out of my way. It's a trap, Dresden. There's a
4: tripwire. Go through that door and you'll kill all of us."
1: I frowned at Kincaid and picked up the plastic light stick, holding it out. I don't see a wire. Not a literal wire. It's a net of infrared beams. Infrared? How do you... Damn it, Dresden! if you want to know about me, wait for the autobiography
4: like everyone else. The beam is rigged up to an anti-personnel mine.
1: Kincaid should know about this stuff. He's the uh, weapons guy. Well, I said, can't we just, can't you put a weight on the landmine and leave it there? So long as the weight holds the trigger down, it doesn't explode, right? Right, but that's assuming we've gone back in time to World War II. He shook his head. Modern mines are pretty good at killing people, Dresden. This one's British, pretty recent. How can you tell? He tapped his nose. The Brits use a different chemical priming charge than most. It's probably a bouncer. Very nasty. He goes on to describe what this, uh... Landmine will do. It's going to blow up sending a couple thousand steel balls out in a big club. Kill everything in 30, maybe 40 meters if you're in the open. Maybe a lot farther in a tight space like this. If it was me, I'd have set the charges to up to get thrown straight down this hall. All these stone walls, the shrapnel, would shred everything real good. I could hex it down, whatever is sending the beam. I said, thus interrupting it, Kincaid said, Thus, Kablui. Thus, death. I do like that he
0: puts it into Dresden terms. Like, yes, well, but he,
1: Yeah, but you, you know, Harry does. Harry does do that where he breaks stuff up, where oh, you no, know, I, short little sentences. And this is very. I love that. It's yeah. his speech patterns.
0: Uh huh. And he's, but he's like, we, like we saw him do with the Chicago accent upstairs.
1: Mm-hmm. Like he knows how to speak to an, a particular audience. Exactly. And Harry says I can shield us if it's all coming from one direction. Kincaid arch an eyebrow. Yeah? Kincaid doesn't know about what he's what his skill set is, it seems like. Um But it won't help the kids much, they're over there. And that's the issue that we see because we want to protect the children. Um I mean Harry just had his he's gonna tear the building down because these monsters were attacking children. Well, yeah, he also might tear the
0: building down because it's a Thursday. Like, I mean, that's This, that Harry, this that's is too. Harry fucking Dresden. I mean, that's no true. building
1: is safe. That's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> and you still don't want the Bolshevik Muppet solution, right? Right. So then somebody's going to have to crawl in there and manually disable it. And Harry says, right, do it. Kincaid, he says, he can't. He's too big. And there's not enough space. And Harry's like, well, I'm thinner than you. Yeah, but longer and a hell of a lot gawkier, and I know what happens to tech when wizards get close. Someone has to do what I said. Someone small enough to. We both looked down the hall at Murphy. Murphy didn't look away from her vigil. How do I disarm it? I'll talk you through, Kincaid said. Dresden, better take her gun and cover us. I'm in charge here, Kincaid. Does that bullshit. But Murphy will risk it all at every turn. She didn't even... Didn't even look away from her vigil. All right, what do I got to do? She might be exploded, but it didn't matter. I, I mean, I really like that. I, that's just Murphy, though. But we know that about Murphy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's slipping out of her coat and gun belt. He's better lose a Kev- Kevlar. I can pass it to you. Bottomless corner looks like the best bet. Stay as flat as you can and as much to the left as you can. I think you can get in. You think? What if you're wrong? You don't see me telling you how to watch that goddamn doorway in case all the vampires show up at any second to kill us, do you? I was going to scowl at him, but he had a point. I scowled in the darkness instead. Stop, Kincaid said. Unclench. Unclench what? Murphy demanded. Unclench your ass. Excuse me? You're going to need the beam. Or you're going to trip the beam. You need another quarter inch. Relax. I am relaxed, Murphy growled. Oh, damn great ass then. Take off your pants. Dick of your pants, Kincaid said, smiling. Think of the children. And again, in this moment of high stress, Kincaid also was cracking jokes. This, is,
0: this one, I mean, I always tell you, I'm sorry, guys. That's just, I, but this that line just made me think of, uh, let's do it for our country. Bye <laughs> bye, mm-hmm.
4: Birdie. Mm-hmm. Just lamest pickup lines, you know. 100%. Oh. So he pulls
1: off her pants and Harry scowls into the darkness and getting irrationally angry and fast. Get a grip, Harry. I thought to myself, it isn't like you and Murphy are an item. She isn't something you own. She's her own person. She does what she wants with who she wants. You're not even involved with her. You've got no say in it. The most important part, part about that. She isn't something you own. I love that. I love it so much because it's like he knows this, but his his emotions he needs to intellectualize the emotional response but then he's still mad about it, yeah, right, and that again, like we talked
0: about how you know when you do this poorly and I get a lot of put feedback on various different sites, and you know most of it is is friendly, you know at least're kind of understanding our this podcast, you know one of our angles is the good, great and problematic, right, so we do kind of lean into the problematic a little bit and that is naturally yeah, you know, like I said, I, I don't want this to be the same as every other pod. So that was kind of how I pitched it to my sister, and that's you know part of our process here is pointing out the problematic. But also, there's a lot of problematic here. But I, I, you know, I'll agree, and I even say it myself that sometimes I pick nits and and kind of maybe put more into it than there is. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, it's it's a dude, it's a hom- it's a heterosexual dude seeing pretty women. You know, of course he's going to talk about he wants to fuck them all the time. You know, and yes, but also. There's just a level of over-the-topness. It's also not the Dresden memories. It's the Dresden files. This is him writing this down, which Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we talk about a lot about how important it is to look at the author's target audience. But this, there's an author's target audience in-universe as well. Yeah. And so it it really is sometimes over-the-top when we have these graphic descriptions of say sexualizing a corpse one chapter into the series, yeah, right? Right. Ugh. But this is exactly what I feel like those critics are talking about, where it's a heterosexual male with a you know a, a pretty friend, and like you know you don't have any control over, but you also still think she's pretty and want to you know you want to have you have these feelings that exist that you can't really. She's overcome. yours, right? But it's not shitty because he no. is work. He was working out, you know. Like it's like. If you can't be great, want to be great. If You can't want yes. to be great, want like to that. want, you know, and that the idea its an old uh, father Joe Mullenism. Oh, but like the idea there, a paraphrase, but the idea of like him recognizing, like seeing these things that he can't really control and this is just natural, but also knowing that it's not necessarily correct. Mm-hmm. That's such a great way to do this. And I love it. I do too. And I, I, I really am. I don't know if that long soliloquy made it sound like it, but I do appreciate the feedback from the people who disagree with us as much as the people who agree, right? Like we really are trying to do better. And I I recognize that sometimes I lean a little heavy into the yikes stuff just because it, like I said, that's kind of our niche as this pod. I I haven't heard, I've heard a lot of Dresden pods and I really like some of them. And this just is part of it that I haven't heard people get really in depth about. And, um, Yeah, again, I I don't know if there are
1: are parts of it that really stand out.
0: Yeah, have we mentioned uh, Lonnie Diane Rich on this pod before? I hope we have, because she's like an incredible podcaster. And one of her earlier pods was about a piece of media that me and Lissy both love, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that she was doing. And this is kind of based on that, this structure. And that was a really important series for me growing up, as it was, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But understanding. how how something can be great, but also flawed was a huge part of, is a huge part of what she does on her pods. And she's brilliant. Lonnie, Diane, rich. I recommend listening to every single thing she's ever done. Yeah. But understanding that we love the Dresden files. I love this series. I know Mm -hmm. where it goes and I know the problems and I, I, I unabashedly love it, but that doesn't mean it's perfect. And we can still look at the stuff that isn't. So I I really don't, I know I'm going on and on and I'm going to have to cut like 90% of this, but like, I, I just, Want people to understand that I do get you what you're saying. I just, I, in some ways, I disagree. I think it is problematic in a lot of ways. But this is what you're talking about, and this mm. is what I can come to grips with. Where it's like a dude who has these problems, but recognizes it's a flaw and it's irrational. But fuck it, I still want
1: to protect her. You know what I mean? Like, well, and it's it's something I really appreciate because it's that self awareness. One, yes. thing, something that we see in a lot of media is the lack of self awareness. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, well, this is, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, that's just, that's just how he is, is one of the worst reasons for negative shit like this, where it's just like, that. that's just how he is to me is boys will be boys. And that's completely unacceptable. And it's, this is, this, that I highlighted this phrase because of that, where it's, it's rationalizing, but also correcting. It's that, that mindset where she isn't something you own. She's her own person. And what we, what we just need is that kind of to expand, but that is just true about any situation because she is her own person. She isn't something you own. She does what she wants with who she wants. You have no say in that. And that's, I mean, there's a lot of, character tropes that i sometimes have a hard time getting my mind around you know where it's mm-hmm. she is her own person she is her own person and and this that really encapsulates this phrasing here encapsulates the whole reason encapsulates the whole reason why we're we doing the yikesy stuff you know it's she's her own person she isn't something that somebody else owns it's that whole concept like like we were talking like i was talking about a couple weeks ago Mm-hmm. about how I really like how he approached the porn sets or he, you know, he described what these women were wearing. And even after the first kind of like, he was, whoa, a little embarrassed. But then when he was like, he was describing Lara, uh during the Inari attack, it wasn't all about, oh, she's half naked. Mm-hmm. It was, oh God, she's only in lingerie and she's wearing spike heels. But it became a, is this going to be, an issue it wasn't all of the description about her physical attributes she was more than her physical attributes and that's what harry is gradually moving towards it feels like in the books that these women are more than their physical attributes and i really really appreciate that i appreciate the the motion yeah progress progress exactly and that's all we ask for that's all i ask for you know and that's Uh, all we're trying to do
0: for our listeners too. get a little bit better each week.
1: We're trying. Some weeks it's. <laughs> anyway, back into it. I ran through those thoughts a couple of times and found them impeccably logical, more inassailable, and still wanted to slug Kincaid. <laughs> it's his protective nature. But remember, we talked about how, you know, he is protective of people who are quote unquote weaker than him, which is why the anger in the children. And it totally makes sense. In the darkness beyond the last chemical light, I heard something move. And then. Something large and four-legged moved in front of one of the lights for a second or two. A dark hound was a large and rangy animal, maybe a large Alsatian, and it deliberately stayed in place for a moment before vanishing into the shadows once more. Like, holy fuck. He didn't want to start blasting away at the bad guys because they're in tight quarters. He says, but then I might as But then maybe it was just as well. I had already met my quota for burning down public institutions this week. (laughs) I couldn't see anything else, but I knew there was something there. So Harry lowers his eyelids and he starts listening. He starts focusing his listening, listening more deeply than he ever had before. The sound of breathing became louder and I picked out several other faint sources of it. He starts hearing heartbeats, but two sets of heartbeats. And from the back of the room, I heard footsteps, slow and deliberate. They slid quietly across the stone floor and the wasted outline of an emaciated female form appeared in front of one of the glow sticks and it had no heartbeat accompanied with it.
2: Mm.
1: But this again, literally wrote in all caps cinematic. This is such a wonderful cinematic moment where even without all of the voiceover, you can still see it.
0: Yeah, you would, like, have, like, a zoom in on his face, his eyes are closed, and then the heartbeat, you know, starts yeah. to, like, pick up, and then a second exactly. heartbeat, and then the heartbeats go away, you know, yeah.
1: I can see this for sure. Oh, my God. Absolutely cool. Um, Trouble, I said, at le- over my shoulder. Five Renfields, four Darkhounds at least, and Mavra's awake. Indeed. Mavra's dress- dusty, dry voice. I've been waiting for you, Dresden. There's something I've been meaning to ask you. Oh, I said. And he looks over at Kincaid. How long? Thirty seconds. We take the kids and run. I've been admiring you for some time now, Dresden. Came Mavra's voice. I've seen you stop bullets with your power. I've seen you stop knives and claws and fangs. She made a gesture with her hand. And so I simply must know how well you will fare against your own weapon of choice. Two Renfields step out and basically blow the fuck out of everything both renfields lifted their flamethrowers and filled the cramped lit hall- the cramped little hallway with fire and in this i wrote down hellfire cuz this is this was just the hellfire moment for me they are literally walking into hell or they have walked into hell and the devils awake
0: hell flamethrowers <laughs> right
1: hellfire throwers
0: i dig it he shoots the riot gun at them and <laughs> I like that he says, I'm not sure if it's because I'd instinctively decided to use it or if I just convulsed in surprise like (laughs)
2: fired the gun.
0: I think it probably is the first, but it's way funnier if it's the second. Oh, yeah. Uh, And he hits them, but he doesn't hit, you know, hit either of them square. I think he gets a piece of both of them with the shotgun and they blast homemade napalm and Mm. fire out of the flamethrowers, spattering the hall along the walls and floor and ceiling. And Harry does what he can, which is drop the gun, grab his staff,
1: and shake out his shield bracelet.
0: Now, I'm confused. The shield bracelet should be on his left wrist, right? I guess he's holding the staff in his right hand.
1: Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't have his...
0: Yeah. Um, No, I know. know. Oh, okay. So he had the gun in his right hand, the staff in his left. Mm -hmm. Then he drops the gun, flips the staff over, and puts up his hand. Though we've seen him do a shield spell with his staff before. Um, but obviously, he's certainly more comfortable doing it with
4: his shield bracelet as the focus. Mm-hmm. The folk fo- guy. Folk is m- multiple. The focus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, words are hard. And we learn a little bit more. You know,
0: he describes how the shield spell works. Basically, it's a defense against kinetic energy. And so he stopped bullets and runaway elevator elevator cars, as we've seen. It wasn't
4: made to stop the transfer of heat. And the napalm jelly stuff is just
0: sticking on the shield. It's just blasting continually and just loading up on the
4: shield. So it does stuff Mm -hmm. is not physically coming through the shield and touching him, but it is, White hot energy, power, oh, yeah, fire, heat, and the shield is doing nothing to stop that. So he is essentially
0: standing in the middle of this fire. It's just not actually getting touched by the flames themselves, and he is burning. Mm-hmm. His hand is melting away right here, like literally the sinew and. It's just melting his hand. And it is awful and terrible. And he's saying, he, His mind is drowning in pain, desperately trying to keep the shield up. Ten seconds, Kincaid shouts. And he sees blisters rising on his hand, his finger curling into a f- claw, melting wax. He didn't have ten seconds. He ventes is down to try to blow some of the heat and napalm back down to the hallway. He hurls it down where from whence it came. Now the building's on fire. It's just, this is going to be a, this is going to be a standard.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: This is a standard Dresden joint. Yeah. Uh, and the two Renfields are now screaming in pain, burning, but their thralls, their bro- minds are broken. So they continue to, they continue to
4: shoot um they die disgustingly
1: horrible deaths
4: which i mean like maybe not for them because they were already
1: horrible they already died all, they died their second horrible death of yeah the day. but the thing too about all this is there are in close quarters the smell
0: yeah they're in a fucking hallway and there's burning yeah. flesh all over there's burning you know we are at least already covered the mildew and and stuff
1: mm-hmm it's just the smell is I, that's what I just keep thinking about the smell and also what his hand looks like mm-hmm. That th- the way they describe It's pretty fucking accurate. Yeah. Gross.
0: Um, I do love how often you bring up the smells of things, which yeah. makes sense based on your experience. Yeah. Um, I tend not to think of things that will destroy my soul. And so I don't think of the smell of a room like this very often. So thank you for have that. A soul. I don't have a soul. Um, We're good. That's, that's true. I'm, I'm a ginger. Um, that ship sailed long ago, but it, yeah, no, it, this is
1: nothing. No, bueno. nothing good. Mm-mm. But the other thing that I want to point out here is that Harry's melting alive. He's being burned alive mm-hmm. and he is still protecting everyone around him.
0: Absolutely. I wonder if instead of going, I mean, he defaulted. He saw people shooting stuff at him. He gets mm-hmm. a shield bracelet up. That's what he does. But I wonder if he had mm-hmm. Ventus
1: Servitas right away, how it would have gone down. But but um, I think that the shield pops up faster than the Ventus Servitas works.
3: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote down Harry's instinct to save everyone at the price of ins- himself. He's just has, I mean, this is cheesy, but strength and adversity. Like he just gets stronger. The worse shit is.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And we'll see more of that. Um, the Renfields are apparently not quite dead. These charred, basically corpses get back up and come and attack, and we get to see Kincaid's cool staff mm-hmm. in action, which is awesome.
1: And then there's Mavra, where I love the description of her. Hamlet would have been happy to wear it,
0: <laughs> which is how she was described in the first, uh, her first appearance too, right? Was oh something out of Hamlet? Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. That's, that's not a reference you'd make very often. And he's done it twice already with her. I wonder if there's any significance there. I don't really know. Well, she's... Maybe she's Danish? Maybe. Mavra, Danish name? Um, I'm kidding. But so there's a, you know, a quick little fight scene. And obviously, Kincaid does Kincaid things to these charred Renfields. Obviously, there's Mavra and bad guys between them in the steps. And there's tons of smoke. We're in a situation where they could very well die. So he tells Murphy to hook the mine back up again. And she says, you mean we can't get out? Can you do it? She nods. He says, wait for my signal, then arm it and get low. She goes and she fights with it. (laughs) And as soon as she gets it set up, you know, Kincaid's Kincaid is still in the mix here, getting, getting fucked up. He's winning, but he's getting chewed up. You know, he's, he's not winning Mm -hmm. without any, any injury. And, you know, he tells Murphy to go And my voice thundered down the hall. Kincaid! Bolshevik Muppet! (laughs) His head whips around. He moved like hamstrung lightning. Swift, lurching, and grotesque. That is the first time I've ever seen hamstrung and lightning Mm
3: back-to-back in his
0: sentence. And I love it.
3: Mm -hmm. He
0: dropped the gun, released the wound that he was holding on his leg, and he threw himself straight at Harry. Because he Harry had mentioned earlier that he can shield all of them, Mm-hmm. he raises his shield. Kincaid flings himself through the doorway, past Harry, and it sets off the mind. Both Murphy and Kincaid are behind him and protected by what's left of his shield spell. And lumpy metal spheres fly out, basically the sh- all the shrapnel.
1: Exactly what he what Kincaid described it was going to be.
0: Yeah, Kincaid. You know, Kincaid knew exactly what we were getting into here, and. They explode all over the place, and it basically just tears through everything down the hallway, mm-hmm. tears through the walls, and the vampires, and the Renfields, and the Dark Hounds, and there's just everything. And there's silence broken only by the crackling flames. Harry still thinking about making sure we get the kids out. We got to mm-hmm. break the chains. And instead of breaking the chains, Kincaid cleverly finds a key, <laughs> or we could do that, Harry says. And I like the line where he says his hand didn't hurt, which was a very bad sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meaning all the nerves are gone; <laughs> they're not on fire, they're gone. Or at least he's in some serious trouble here with his hand. Kincaid was at one point completely covered in bad guys. You know, kind of mm-hmm. the again cinematic, like one thing jumps on him, then a dog jumps in, then you're just completely covered. But because of his tools and his Kincaidness, he was able to get out. But he is. He's pretty fucked up as well. Just completely, you know, covered in blood. Um, his you know his face is blinched, is drenched in it. He says, oh, that isn't mine. <laughs> but I love, you know, he's got that role of duct tape and he's just taping up mm-hmm. all his wounds, which is kind of a, a cool. Um, Shin hero, y kind of way to do it. Harry he cracks a joke. Cause of course he does.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: Kincaid lets out a soft wobbly sound as if it's something he didn't have a lot of practice in, which I love. I love it. He goes to dismember what's left. And I love the line where he says, all that trouble we went through and you just blew the place up. We could have done this to begin with, Dresden. One of the kids is is holding on to Harry, bawling. And he says, no. We couldn't have.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. Kincaid vanishes into the smoke to go chop up things. But no, Kincaid
1: also says, maybe you're right. Which he, I I like the fact that he didn't just walk into the smoke though. Like he actually maybe you're right. I like that. Four occupied coffins, including one ear.
0: He beheads all of them. You know, the vampires are history. And Mavra got absolutely shredded with the sh- the mm-hmm. personnel anti personnel mine. And as he's describing how much she got shredded, she flickers into sight in the smoke behind it. Horribly torn and mangled. She's missing her, you know, part of her jaw, her leg. I like her leg is attached by a scrap of flesh, mm-hmm. and her tights, and her tights, yes. <laughs> but she still's moving through the smoke, and
1: no less swiftly. That's the that was the the definitive thing there. She's still she's torn to bits, but she's not moving any any slow. Yeah, we
3: we
0: talked about Holy this huh. during the we during the fight with Inari and them at the porn site, uh, porn studio where it doesn't make sense that a rotting corpse would have this much power. So clearly there's a lot of, ma- I mean, we know there's magic because they're reanimated corpses, but even yeah. within universe, it doesn't stick to the laws of physics. They have something yeah. more behind it. And so we see that here, right? Her legs shouldn't be able to move her quickly and she still can just as quickly. Yeah. But Kincaid... That's her level of power. Yeah, for sure. And Kincaid, again, her level of power is because she's not dead yet. Kincaid see- doesn't see her, but he sees Harry. And so he drops flat and Harry empties out the little paint gun and just, they absolutely chew through her. Mm-hmm. Really cool to see silver fire, you know, bursting at each, each uh, spot.
1: But this is our action hero moment. Harry takes the or action movie moment. Harry is firing the, the holy water and garlic paintballs. Then Murphy literally unhooks the machete from her belt, tosses it to Kincaid. Kincaid catches it and chops off her head. Yeah. That's
0: fucking awesome. Of course. You probably can like throw it like you're throwing a knife at Kincaid and he'd be able to catch it, but she she tossed it underhand.
1: But then, and the the way she just collapsed, there was no thrashing, no howling, howling or spurting ichor. The head
0: goes one way, the body the other, Mm -hmm. which is great. And this is one of the best lines in the novel for me is when Kincaid says, even seeing it, it's tough to believe. What is your shield Mm -hmm. that bit with all the wind and fire? Especially with your hand like that. I've never seen a wizard cut loose before.
1: He glanced at me something like caution in his expression. When Kincaid is a little bit scared of you. That's fucking awesome. It wouldn't hurt hurt to encourage the mercenary to be wary of me. I love it. The runes
0: still glowed with a sullen fire. Tiny wisps of smoke curled up from it. Hadn't done that before. But
4: there's no reason to mention
0: that. He looked straight at him until it was obvious that Kincaid was refusing to meet his eyes, and said in a quiet, gentle voice, "You still haven't." That's awesome. <laughs> that is a badass exit. Yeah. He drops. He drops the mic and turns around. They get the kids out. They decide they're going to take him to Father Fort Hill. Let let Father Fort Hill sort him out,
4: as they say. Ah. Uh, Oh, and it's Ebenezer's old Ford truck. It is a Ford. There you go. These are important details, obviously.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That's the most important thing. And Kincaid gives Harry, you know, Harry says, oh, I might need a couple days. I'd I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a mercenary action today. Right. And he he gives him a uh, business card with his Swiss account, paint in gold lettering, and a gigantic number written in ink. (laughs) <laughs> that made yeah. his checking account number look small. They get he gets in the van and leaves. They get into Ebenezer's truck and head out. They drop off the kids at the church, or says first the kids at the church, and then they're going to head back to Harry's place so he can get patched up for round two. And Ebony, you know, he tells Ebenezer, "There's a, a ritual entropy curse coming his way before midnight. How can I help? We'll have to talk about." He tells him he takes on too much.
4: He says, there's a bright side, though. If I buy it tonight, at least I won't have to figure out how to pay Kincaid before he kills me. I love it.
1: And so Ebenezer's driving and Harry is, he says he felt himself float off into a pensive haze. Well, that wasn't exactly true. It was more of a penceless haze, but I didn't complain about (laughs) it. And, uh, you know, he basically ex- explains that he's in shock. He, he, we must've dropped the kids off at, with father Ford Hill because when I finally got out of the truck, the back was empty of children. And he tells Murphy, I had a thought. If there's an APB out for me, we shouldn't go back to my place. Harry, she said, we've been here for two hours. You're sitting on your couch. So he's been a little out of it. Just a smidgen.
4: And, uh, he says, so I am, but that
1: doesn't make my concerns any less valid. Then we learn about the APB. Stallings has let Murphy know that there is an APB out for someone matching his description, but his name isn't attached to it. Only that the suspect is wanted for questioning and maybe using the alias Larry or Barry there were no prints on the weapon, but it was registered to the witness. I don't know how that happened. I'd say you got lucky, but I know better, and you'd make some wise ass remark about it. I let out a broken little laugh. Yeah, I said. Hell's bells. Trixie Vixen has got to be the most vacuous, conceited, small minded, petty, and self absorbed baddie I've ever snooped out. That's what happened. What? Ricky said. My name. I said, still wheezing laughter. She never got it straight. The woman got my freaking name wrong. I don't think she bothers to keep very close track of other people's existence if it doesn't profit her. <laughs> but, you know, he says, somebody else there must have known your name. Everyone else, only Arturo and Joan. She's, she only knew his first name. And someone had to wipe any of your prints from the gun. They're covering for you. I pursed my lips, surprised. Not so much that Arturo and his people had done it, but because of my reaction to the news... It made a warm spot somewhere inside me that felt almost completely unfamiliar. <laughs> they are. God knows why, but they are. Harry, you saved the lives of some of their people. And, you know, makes one, makes you one of them when trouble comes. Makes me family. Harry's never been family, and we've got a lot of references to family in this book. So who you know who done it? Trixie, probably two others. My sense is that it's the ex-Mr. Genosa Club. But that's just a hunch, and I think they had help. Why do you say that? Because Trixie was getting instructions, and they've been invoking that curse with a ritual. Unless someone's got actual talent, it takes two or three people to raise energy that's needed. You told me what about rituals once, the cosmic vending machine, right? And outside power offers to give you some of the give you something, if you fulfill a specific sequence of events. Scary people just do a dance on dance and someone dies regular people i mean what happens if someone push it, publishes a book so then we were learn that the white council has pu- pushed for the books to be published including the Necronom- necronomicon and- so this
0: this there this there <laughs> this this right there um, remember last week i i thought that the white council had published yeah stoker's book and you corrected me that rightfully the text says that it was the white court of vampires that was doing it. This is why. Because I knew that the White Council yeah. does publish these types of things. I had just – that's – it was an honest yeah. – mistake.
1: Well but, well, but it also makes sense because it's, it's their, their niche. The vampires are the White Court's niche and the powers of magic are the White Council's yeah, niche. Yeah, and the
0: vampires kind of, you know, always in competition with each other and
1: stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we, we learn why it got out there. Because supply and demand, there are limits to what outside forces can deliver to the mortal world, which makes sense. So people who have access to ritual, rituals don't want to share them. The Book of Dark Rituals rituals is not something your average vacuous princess of porn picks up at the mall. So she had help. Yeah, I said frowning. And that last run on the court, the curse had a professional behind it because it was a lot faster and deadlier and quick s- hit so quick. He didn't have time to redirect it, and you know he says, "You know you can use sometimes materials like blood to increase it," and and they and they keep talking, and God only knows what kind of unholy bad luck got three ex wives together. I mean, what are the odds? You know, stars and stones. You're right. How could I have missed that? Even a little busy, weren't you, guess. <laughs> and he realizes that.
4: Arturo didn't announce that he's getting married.
1: Jake only made a guess to Harry. I doubt the way the ex-wives knew about it firsthand. In fact, I'd be willing to bet they were informed of the fact by a third party. Why? Murphy asks. Because if you want to work magic on someone, you've got to believe in it. You've got to want it. Otherwise, it just fizzles. That means they want someone dead. Genuinely want it. I don't think this is about money. I don't understand. Genosa's in love. Son of a bitch. It was right there in front of me the whole time. Let me go down this path of Harry's thoughts, where it's the white court can control people unless they're in love. They just said it out loud. It was an internal matter. Hell, it was practically the first thing she said about him. Then Oturo was always following and falling in love. And Joan is the one who said that. And egad, Holmes, you've got to provide me with some kind of context if you want me to understand. <laughs> so then we kind of figured out that this is all Papa Wraith. You know, he's set up Thomas on a couple of occasions, but he isn't putting the fear of himself into his own children very well anymore. And if Wraith owns the studio that Genosa went against, Genosa is publicly defying Wraith's authority. So it all comes down to, holy shit, Arturo pissed off Wraith. Uh not a good guy to piss off. A mere human defying the White King. And Wraith couldn't send Lara to control him either, because Genosa is in love. And, you know, we we learned from Thomas that the White Court prides itself on elegance when it comes to power games. So they wouldn't directly go kill him. But they need somebody he can control, that Wraith can control. And it's not, it's not Arturo. And so he sets it all up. He sets them to find out who the wife is that's a danger to all of their powerful positions. And we've got a means, a motive, and an opportunity. Even in magical circles, I'll bet no one's going to be able to easily prove it was Wraith who was responsible for the death of the woman Arturo was engaged with and in love with. For Lord Wraith, it's a win-win situation. If they kill the fiancé, it'll destabilize Genosa and hamper his ability to produce films. Hell, maybe Wraith waited, planned to wait until he fell into a depression afterwards and then send one of the ex-wives after a while to offer him comfort, seduce him, and leave him vulnerable to Lara's control. If they don't manage to kill the fiancé, they might still create enough havoc and confusion to derail Genosa's work. It's all about fucking power. And so... Wraith brought in Lauer to keep an eye on Harry, and he kind of threw a wrench in the mechanicians with being in love and the love of Susan. Gutless little bastard, going through other people like that. If he really want, if he really has been weakened, he wouldn't want to take on anyone from the White Council. Only a fool goes toe to toe with a stronger enemy. That's why Thomas did the same thing as his father recruiting me to go up against him. You're right. How the hell did you get this bag of snakes? Clean living. <laughs> <laughs> you should tell Thomas to get lost. Can't. Why not? I looked at her in silence. Her eyes widened. She understood. It's him. He's family. So what are you going to do? Survive. I mean about Thomas. I'll burn that bridge when it come to it. <laughs> I love that. Um, what's your next move? Go to Thomas. And I need a car and a driver done. And I might need something else from you tonight. Something tough. What? I told her. I know I hate to ask, but it's her only shot. I don't think we can win this one with simple firepower. So we're kind of getting a a little bit of foreshadowing here that Karen's going to be involved and it's going to be a mess.
4: And. We get a little bit of
1: a look into Murphy's brain, which it's been sort of a stressful day for me, relationship-wise. I know what you mean, I thought. I mean, first with that asshole Rich and Lisa, and then with this thing with Kincaid. It's been a a really, really long time since a good-looking man took my pants off. (laughs) I forgot how much I enjoyed it. I mean, I know this is just a reaction to the danger and adrenaline and so on, but still, I've never reacted that strongly to a simple touch. Well, you asked. Got me a little distracted. That's all. (laughs) Just so you know, I don't think he's human. I think he's pretty major bad news. Yeah, it's never the nice guys to get a girl worked up. And so she, you know, says she's going to call a cab, get some clothes, get her bike. Car's still back at the park and there might still be family there. So she did have the bike and the car. Um,
4: And Ebenezer returns.
1: How's the hand? starting to feel things again. But I figured I'll pass out before it all comes back. And he puts a, like an enchanted bracelet on
4: him to help with the pain. And
1: so what do you want from me? The truth. I want the truth. No, you don't. Or at least not now. Harry, you have to trust me on this one. No, I don't. I've trusted you for years. Completely.
4: I built up some credit. You owe me. I want answers. I want the truth. It will hurt. The truth does that sometimes.
1: I don't care. I do. Boy, there is no one. No one I would hate to hurt as much as you. And this is too much to lay on your shoulders, especially right now. It could get you killed, Harry. That isn't your decision to make. It surprised me how calm I sounded. I want the truth. Give it to me or get out of my home and never come back. All right. Ask. I'll answer. But this could change things for you, Harry. It could change the way you think and feel. About what? About yourself. About me. About the White Cancel. About everything. I can take it. All right, hoss.
4: Don't say I didn't warn you. So the first thing Harry asks Ebenezer is, how does he know Kincaid?
3: Mm -hmm.
4: He's in the trade. The trade? Harry asks? He says, yes. Most of the major supernatural
0: powers have someone for that kind of work. Ortega was the Red Quartz, for example. Kincaid and I are contemporaries of a sort. They're assassins. And there's... you know, professional courtesies that Kincaid crossed about a century ago in Istanbul. Mm. And so that's why Ebenezer said, if he ever saw him again, he'd kill him. (laughs) So we find out he's not human. There are people walking around who carry the blood of the never, never in them. Changelings, for one, those who are half she, the fairies aren't the only ones who can breed with humanity though. And the scions of such unions can have a lot of power.
4: Their offsprings are usually malformed, freakish. Sometimes the child looks human. He's older than I
0: am. When I met him, I still had hair, and he'd been serving the creature for centuries.
4: So he works with another half-mortal, Vlad Dracul. Not to be confused with Vlad Tepish who's Dracula, which I like this
0: conversation here because remember way back in grave peril mm-hmm. where Rudolph says, what is this fucking Dracula? And Harry says, Dracool is still in wherever. Yeah. And, and we had mentioned on this pod that that was a mistake because yeah. Dracool and Dracula aren't the same character. Mm-hmm. And here Harry makes the same Mistake conflating. Yeah. So I like that consistency uh, a couple books later, but Dracula is the son of Dracul pretty pale and skinny by comparison. He, he went to the black court as a kind of teenage rebellion, which I love,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, he describes Dr- Dracul as formidable
4: and dangerous and cruel. And Dracula is kind of this petulant boy. And we mm-hmm. know that Dracula is,
0: Magnitudes more powerful than Mavra, so it's just a funny way of describing those things, mm-hmm. putting them into perspective. I guess. Yeah,
1: it's the it's the hierarchy,
0: and Harry must have been reading the ebook, not listening to the audiobook, because he recognized that Blackstaff had a capital B. Um, yes, and he said that's that's your working name,
4: something like that. The name is a long story, and. Hmm. we find that even though breaking
0: the seven law, any of the seven laws of magic, which are actually listed out here in order, which I love mm-hmm. for the first time we've seen all seven. He is empowered by the senior council as the one member who can break any and all laws. He is double O Ebenezer and he has a <laughs> license license to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And Harry recognizes it's not a working name. It's not a nickname. It's a title. And they kind of work through this. And he describes the seven laws of magic and that he's allowed to break. them. He has not just a license to kill, but to enthrall, to invade the thoughts of another mortal, to seek knowledge and powder. They have really good powder beyond the outer gates, (laughs) but also to seek knowledge and power from beyond the outer gates
3: Hmm. to
0: transform others to reach beyond the borders of life or to swim against the currents of time. Crazy. And he's empowered to do any and all of those things, which is not what Harry kind of signed up for. Not what Harry understands. Mm -hmm. Right. He says, you're, you're the white council's wet works, man for all their prattle about the just and wise use of magic. When the wisdom and justice of the laws get inconvenient, they have an assassin. You do that for them. You kill people, and he confirms that he did. He did Casa Verde.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He confirms that there were at least a hundred people, human beings, that he killed. He confirms that there were others, and he lists Tunguska, New Madrid, and Krakatoa. I looked some of those up. Um, New Madrid was a earthquake, mm. and Tunguska was a like a meteorite or some you know some some sort oh, of wow. asteroid fell a 12 megaton explosion shit. So these are real life events. And then, um, Krakatoa was a volcano, right? Volcano. Yeah, exactly. Which is a scary and b kind of cool that he has this much power. It's uh,
3: terrifying. Yeah. But,
0: th- but those, so, and again, you know, like how we, we've all commented a lot, how we like this, where they weave in real life events. Yeah. With some of these fictional ones.
3: Mm hmm
0: is great and again it just kind of establishes and this and for all of those ebenezer wasn't even a member of the senior council
3: yeah
1: because we just learned that he just became a member of the senior council promoted
0: so and he has turned him down a few times in the past yeah i mean he has turned him down a few times in the past which may suggest that he should have been on it for some of these but you know there may be a good reason to separate
1: Mm. to separate what
0: the black staff from the senior council.
1: Ah, gotcha. That makes sense.
0: No one says that explicitly before or after this. So this is a spoiler, I guess, but that is a, there might be a reason for that, you know, but, but either way. So there's more powerful guys on the council. You know, he's not a senior council member member, and he's able to destroy
4: islands with a volcano. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, fucking crazy. It is. Yeah. And again,
0: we we saw the Thomas reveal reshapes his understanding of their relationship. This is the same because he was sent to live with Ebenezer after his trial, Harry was. Yeah. And now, you know, puts it together that you don't send a potentially dangerous criminal to live with your hatchet man if you want to rehabilitate him. Exactly. They were basically hoping, wait, you know, expecting and waiting for Ebenezer to axe him. To yeah, to kill Harry. And we learn not only that Ebenezer knew Margaret Lefay, but also that she was his apprentice, mm-hmm. and that she didn't die in
4: childbirth. She died from an entropy curse, a ritual. Entropy curse, which may or may not connect to other
3: thoughts
0: (laughs) and more exposition and fighting, you know, here where the white king is protected potentially by something as big as an old
4: God. Magic just slides off of him, which is scary. Even the death curse of Margaret Le Fay. Yeah,
0: that's a scary one so he basically can't be stopped with magic. Ebenezer's taken a couple swings at him himself and failed. But Harry, you know, now he knows his, who killed his mother and he is freaking out and then his hand starts to burn and basically the pain takes over his body and he collapses. And it doesn't say it explicitly here. I listened to it and read it and tried to figure out it doesn't say it explicitly here. I went through it a few times. My guess and understanding here is that Ebenezer, like, squeezed his hand or something. Mm -hmm. That's what you got, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it says, maybe I missed it. Like I said, I went through it a couple times. But to kind of, like, show him, like, shut the fuck up. You can't go,
1: just go running off after Lord Wraith right now. Mm -hmm. And and Ebenezer says he tried three times. He's this powerful, powerful wizard, and he couldn't even get close to him.
3: Yeah.
0: Which, again, we've established Ebenezer's power level, and then somehow. The White King is beyond even his ability to come get him.
1: But we had also started talking about how he was weakening. Who's that? Th- well, like that he didn't have the same power anymore. Like, uh, how Lord but- Wraith didn't have the same power anymore. Correct.
4: Correct. But we're not really sure how those things all intersect quite. Yeah. They're j- it's just a points of note. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but the big takeaway here isn't really that Ebenezer's imperfect
0: and made mistakes, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. But it's the level of... Deceit. Deceit, yeah. That's a good word. He lied. That's and the he, thing. he lied he from lied. the very moment they met. And, they, like, he... You've seen it throughout throughout the novels, right? Like, Harry is...
1: Lied from the moment they met. How funny. Not but, in the ha way.
0: Yeah, but I mean what I mean is like Harry is so wrapped up in what magic means and how important that you know, magic comes from creation and it comes from building and supporting and it's it's who you are and it's this positive life force of building and creation. And he's got that from Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. And so not just their relationship's a lie. Everything he knows about the world. But everything Ebenezer ever said to him is a lie. Or at the very least, isn't something that Ebenezer himself believed in. Yeah. And it's, again, like, earth-shattering revelation in all the ways. I don't mean that as, like, just the expression earth-shattering. I mean, it's, like, shattering his world. And And so when Ebenezer... Asks him if he wants him by his side fighting the white king tonight. You know, a couple hours ago, it was, it would be a no brainer. Like you're jumping for joy that Ebenezer wants to be there. And now he says, no, I don't want you there. He doesn't trust him. I don't know you. I never did, but you'd fight beside someone like the hellhound. Kincaid's a killer for hire. He never pretended he was
4: anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for your help, but I've got things to do. You should go. Still there for you, Hoss, if you change your... I said get out! Hard lesson. The hardest. Then he left. And I refused to watch him go.
0: good chunk uh, you can you, know, you can see why i wanted to only do six uh, six years which means we will have to do seven next week but obviously that's a good spot
1: yeah definitely with.
0: it started with the confrontation of kid kade and ebenezer showing that something was up and then it finishes with the you know fallout from that confrontation which is the crumbling relationship of harry and
4: basically his father figure his mentor um yeah, just, just a hard, a hard set
0: of chapters where Harry's, you know, our hero is beaten down and, you know, that's a common story. You, you you know, you break them down and they're at their lowest and then they, you know, find their way, whatever the hero's Mm -hmm. journey. But, um, this is a bad part of the hero's journey to be on. Um, but as we go through what, um, First off, what'd you think of the chunk in, in, in general? And then we'll kind of go chapter by chapter. of Any analysis we'll have.
1: I liked that. I, we learned a lot about a lot. And I know I say that all the time, but it, it's very much, this was a, not necessarily heavy on the lore, but this was heavy on the characters, which is yeah. very important.
0: Yeah. And, and again, we learned all this while also having the biggest action sequence in the novel. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it, yeah. it just, masterful, masterful storytelling uh, again by, uh, Mrs. Butcher's baby boy. (laughs) What, um, any thoughts on chapter 30? Yes, lots.
1: Of course, go
0: ahead. The conversation with Kincaid and Ebenezer and what do you got? Um,
1: it, it really, it gave us a lot of, subversive background where it's not you know obviously it it kicked us off as to where we're going but it also reiterated harry's trust and love for the man which is completely betrayed
0: yeah and we see that shattering here in in chapter 35 yeah chapter 30 was about you know it's, it's funny because the chapter before we'd seen murphy's faith in what she believed in get shattered yeah and then in it could have very easily happened to Harry in chapter 30 and he refused to believe it.
1: Yeah. But But there were, there were more important things to deal with than his beliefs. Mm -hmm. That was the other part of it. And we also have Harry's worldview on magic. We're provided that, but he, we kind of also, some of, some of our, some of our understanding of the world, the ma- world of magic, is also kind of more solidified. And the idea of the soul gaze, it's not a lie detector test. It's not perfect. And all of these things are just very, they're clarified. Yeah. There's a lot of clarity, but there's also a lot of muddying the waters, which is an interesting kind of dichotomy. We learn about the the, the near impossibility it is for the black court to be killed. We learn about... The, you know, uh, the, not necessarily the truth quite yet, but that Ebenezer, Ebenezer isn't as perfect as Harry thinks he is. It's, it's, there's a lot of ups and downs and it's, it's to go into battle with this is a lot stronger and it's a lot more upheaval Uh than it could be, but it, it, it raises the stakes. Yes, for sure. So now,
4: physically
0: and emotionally, Harry's in a bad place. Oh, yeah. He's going up against his second
4: big bad of the, the afternoon. <laughs> it's
1: been a busy, busy
4: couple of days for him. Uh, one thing I wanted to
0: mention in that chapter is just the way that Ebenezer talks about Kincaid is exactly the way he discussed Mavra earlier in the novel. He's mm-hmm. like, do you know her? I know it. Um, but just that same exact level of contempt. for mm-hmm. So it's not just that Ebenezer doesn't like this guy, but it, he puts him at least the way he discusses him on a level with Mavra.
1: Yeah. And that's pretty gnarly.
0: Significant for sure. And then, oh, and, yeah. then we, and then in the next chapter we see what Kincaid looks like to the site. Um, are we having second guesses about our love affair?
1: No, I still love him. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I also, I still, I, I am still very much shipping the angel and demon energy between Murphy and Kincaid.
3: Fucking love oh, that, it.
1: That's fair. That would be good. Um, I also like, speaking of the angel, we, we saw, this isn't the first time we've seen Murphy in the site. Okay. It isn't. I didn't think so, but that's why I couldn't remember. That's why I wrote it down is, has we seen her as an angel before or, or cause Harry has described her as an avenging angel. And I just wasn't sure if we would seen her in the site. Before. Yeah.
0: He, he called her, you know, the avenging Valkyrie, which is kind of similar to angel and other traditions, but same also concept, same concept, similar, certainly. But we also in grave peril at, Oh, one of the Irish, some Irish name, Mick, Mick, something. Um, I don't remember, but at, okay. at one, one, one of the guys in SI who was, had the spike curse spell. Wrapped around it. Remember the, the ice. Oh cold? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And there's one. The first time we'd seen it attached to a human, we'd already seen it on a ghost. But that interaction is where Harry has the sight, so he can see the curse spell. And That's as right. he pulls it off, he's trying to get it out the window, and we, and Murphy rushes in, and he sees an angel. And she asks him, "What did you see?" And he said, "You wouldn't believe it."
3: Yeah.
0: Um. But so this is the second time, and we we know the sight is always accurate this is the second time,
4: although she's much more wounded now. But
1: the stuff she just went through, the stuff she's been constantly going through since then, Mm -hmm. you know, even just the emotional shit that she learned her sister is engaged to her ex-husband. Oh yeah, for sure. Just that wound, you know, and the wounds of the, you know, the shit with Rudolph, the IA investigations where nobody like, the department is almost out to get her sort of stuff. Those are just the wounds to her psyche, wounds to her, her, her core.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And She definitely has been through a lot since mm-hmm. we saw her lap there. And, and maybe Rudolph is the fulcrum here because he was on her side in that novel and she was, things were hunky dory and now he's not.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: Rudolph is the hero of the tale. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh that is not my crackpot theory. One thing I wanted to mention, I was having microphone trouble when you were going off on um going over Chicago sinking. He's mentioned he's mentioned that before. Uh that's kind of how Undertown exists.
1: Yes, yes. That's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mentioned I mentioned Seattle that time too, where Mm -hmm. you know, but I was it was just the unusually deep basement. Like, kind of that, like, is it because of the climate change and the glaciers and shit like that? Or did they specifically pick it because it was deeper?
4: And
0: I'm thinking that's probably, oh, I was thinking that's why the vampires picked it. But, yeah, no, maybe maybe that's just how, well, because Harry's basement apartment has windows still. Yeah. So they can't all be. um, That deep. Yeah. But maybe that is a common thing. Although, why would you want them deeper? Wouldn't you want them shallower if they're going to sink?
1: Well, I'm just thinking maybe it got, it became deeper. I don't know. I
2: don't.
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Who
0: knows? Um, anything else on that? What was chapter 32? Chapter 32 is just kind of the calm before the storm. I mean, we did have the one Renfield, but really it was just about setting the scene and explaining how spooky it was before they mm-hmm. head down there.
1: Yes. Um, wait, was there something else? On, I had to. When we got the site where the angel and the demon.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, My love of the angel and demon energy. Well, one of the other. Oh no, that's not. Sorry, thirty-two wasn't that. 31 was was the angels and
0: demons. Yeah, thirty-one was was. um, Sorry, that was when you were talking about the. Yeah, thirty-two was when you are talking about Chicago sinking. Yes, but no, that was the um, where they found the kids, and you know we heard we Mm
3: -hmm.
0: all all that jazz. You know, Mavra appears. They don't start shooting the fire, but we. That's when Murphy gets her pants taken off and all
1: that good stuff. Mm Um, it's also and- so. This is a big part for me here was uh, Kincaid. Kincaid can see the infrared. Kincaid, ha- Kincaid has a type of sight.
0: Yeah, no, this, I, mean, this, I I
1: wouldn't call that the sight because, but it's a type of sight because he can also smell the mine. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's got. It might not be a sight that he can put on like Harry, but it's just something that he can see. So that's why I, I put sight in quotes that and the Murphy thing she'll go through and disarm it and Murphy will risk it all to save people she will risk it all
0: yeah for sure
1: but that also this just came to me it also explains why he was so adept when they were at Wrigley and he was shooting all the vampires
0: Kincaid, yeah no for sure yeah,
1: sorry it just popped in my head yeah and
0: it- but remember Harry had his, his suspicions yeah As have I, Harry, as have I. Yes, you have. But Harry's had his his suspicions, but Kincaid sort of put them to rest with that. You know, if I'm going to, what's the point of shooting at something if you're going to miss? But also the, I'm just as human as you are.
1: Which is why I also said, I don't think Harry's fully human.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it does seem to fit. Um, Boy, am I good. (laughs) ah, Just kidding. You are, in fact, I'm good at judging characters in
1: books, but not people in life
0: <laughs> my life uh-huh actually, I'm not even good at the first one
1: uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the fire and harry's hand we we went over it, but anything else to add on on that in any of the fight really thirty four and thirty uh three are are both that fight scene, yeah, fire, and then they get out um.
1: But one of the notes I have is even Kincaid, the strongest of the strong, Harry wants to save. He's in a horrible place. The dogs jump on and he says, no. And he wants to go after them, but Murphy pulls him back. And the other thing I put is he's so fucked up. Even Murphy's a little freaked out. Yeah, no, for
0: sure. Like, you know, she obviously she worries about her friend. Yeah. It seems like there's a level of, of worry here that like, It's shocking
1: is yeah. More significant than we've seen in a lot of these. Yeah. And the other thing I have too. So um, when Harris says we could have blown this, when Kincaid says we could have blown this place up in the first place, he says, no, we couldn't have Kincaid regarded me, his expression unreadable. I thought I saw something wild and bloodthirsty and satisfied in his eyes for just a second. Then he said, maybe you're right. And I wrote down Kincaid's at battle with his nature because like we later learned from Ebenezer, he is, he's worshiped this demon or followed this demon or whatever, this horrible creature. But he's since changed his tune, I guess. But his, <clears throat> like that bloodthirsty, wild and bloodthirsty is his nature. And so it kind of almost makes him seem that he's that much more strong, that not only is he able to do all of these crazy wild things, but he is overcoming his nature in the same time.
0: Yeah, no, and I liked to see that where, you know, you you brought it up and I didn't mention it the first time, but he said, maybe you're right about how important it was to yeah. get the kids out. And we know he, we know he has more than just, well, we don't know, I guess. We suspect he has more than just a business relationship with Ivy. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, like... He's very protective of her. He's very protective, but to a level that... It, you know, he talks about, I, I don't know, uh, you know, when he he wanted to give her the cookies and stuff like it seems like more than just professional. So yeah,
1: I, he I, wants her to act like a kid, too.
0: Yeah. So I, I do think you're right that his nature isn't to be caring and fatherly and, you know, want to save kids and stuff. You know, we've seen that conversation with Murphy at the IHOP. Right. Yeah, but you're right. I do think he's fighting to overcome
4: that. And I I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's it's a
4: strong response.
0: And then lastly, the conversations with Murphy and, uh, Ebenezer at back at his apartment, anything you want to put on there?
4: Not we, I mean, we talked about a lot of
1: it, but it's very much the loss of trust. Harry has to trust him and he can't anymore. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I mean, that's a, a, a big deal. Yeah. At and, least in my mind, trust is tantamount in any sort of relationship. And yeah, if you can't trust terrible. someone.
0: And, and that's why, you know, at, at, towards the end of that chapter where he says, you'll work with someone like Kincaid, it's like, yeah, Kincaid is who he is. Yeah. Like, like I know, I know he's a, you know, gray guy, but he, I'd rather work with a bad guy who's honest than whatever the fuck you are. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to make one comment on where he says he tasted scotch in his mouth. One of Ebenezer's own brews. Mm-hmm. Ebenezer doesn't seem like the guy that goes back and forth across the Atlantic ocean to brew his, to distill his liquor. And if you distill it in hog hollow, Missouri,
3: mm-hmm. it
0: is not in fact scotch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, a friend in New Zealand, charming, a charming friend in New Zealand where it's legal to distill stuff. There are rules about these things, Ebenezer. Yes. It's, yes. It, it may be a single malt whiskey, but it is not scotch. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Um, there are rules. This isn't Nam. There are rules. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to mention is just how, you know, how, it that doesn't make a lot of sense that the white council and the senior council in particular would trust Ebenezer with a power as such as they have Mm -hmm. and then still be such a douchebag about it.
2: Right. Like it's
0: kind of on brand for them though. I guess, I mean it it is, but remember how, like how much contempt the Merlin had for him. Yeah. Like, is it because of this or like, we don't know anything about their relationship, but it just, you know, like I said, how the conversation with Thomas and now this one kind of reframes some of the past stuff. Yeah. Like, is the Blackstaff position the reason why the Merlin was so contemptuous? Um, is it just because Ebenezer's Ebenezer? I, I just wonder about that in particular, because if, like you have this guy who has this much power and literally can kill anyone that he decides he should kill. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you not be a dick to that guy?
1: Imagine.
0: <laughs> Call me crazy. But I, I've mentioned also I've mentioned in the past that um, Mr. Butcher has said that throughout this novel series, Harry Dresden will break all seven laws of magic. Yeah, And so at some point, he's going to kill, to enthrall, to invade the thoughts of another mortal, to seek knowledge. He's going to seek knowledge and power from beyond the outer gates. He's going to trans Fell out of my chair. He's, <laughs> going to, he's going to transform others. He's going to reach beyond the borders of life. And... My favorite. He's going to swim against the currents of time. So I'm um, excited and intrigued to see mm-hmm. where those get us. Like I mentioned, I believe all seven laws have been listed out. Mentioned. Clearly.
1: Yeah, they de- it definitely is. Yeah. Do you
0: have anything, anything else to add there in the analysis? Or No, I don't. I don't yeah. really.
1: What about uh, yikes? No, we discussed that, um, that bit of the anti-yikes, which I really appreciated.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, again, I talked for an hour and a half on that, so I'm not going to bore you with it again. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't really think of anything at all. I mean, mm-hmm. it is yikes. It is what? It's anti yikes to recognize it and want to be yeah. better. So, which is really more important than never making mistakes. Most definitely. I say that to my yeah. kids all the time. Say, when, when you stop making mistakes, I stop getting paid to coach you. <laughs> <So please. laughs> Keep making mistakes, but let's let's find new mistakes. You know, um, but that's all I have there. Then, yeah, pretty pretty tight writing, pretty good stuff, good storytelling, yeah. great action scenes, as we always see, and uh, some pretty quotable
4: stuff. What yeah. um, what do you got for your quotes of the week? All right,
1: got a, got a couple in chapter thirty where they're talking about the uh, tactical ideas. What's the rest of the plan? Kincaid asked, kill the vampires, save the hostages, I said. For the record, Kincaid said, I was hoping for an answer that vaguely hinted at a specific tactical doctrine rather than spouting off general campaign objectives. <laughs> uh, and then the, why do they sell hot dogs in packages of 10 and hot dog buns in packages of eight? Everyone <laughs> glared at me. I should probably leave off whistling and chase my dream of becoming a stand-up comedian. <laughs> exactly. And then Murphy put the mouth of the riot gun against Kinskate, Kincaid's spine and said, "How good is that armor?" Sometimes Murphy has a way with words. Murphy looked too tired to glare, but she tried. Then they really go with the Kevlar and the gun belt. Murph. shows you're a woman with her priorities straight.
0: <laughs> and that's, that's what only we're
1: half- talking about the pink panties. The with pink white panties bows. with the white bows. Yeah, that's only yeah. half the quotes because I didn't want to take all of them from you. That's fair.
0: I only have two this week, but uh, form up. I murmured because it sounded more military and tougher than saying you guys go first. You're going to lose that hand. Kate yes, so said, I was, I was sending it back to the kitchen. Anyway, I ordered it
1: medium. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there is one more. I have to mention where he, you know, King, uh, Ebenezer's worried about him having a slice in jeopardy. Gosh, I'd hate for my life to be in jeopardy. <laughs> yeah.
4: Very true. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: I do I I do declare, um, uh, I do believe that it is time for you to give us a crackpot theory knowing that you were successful yet again in although oh,
1: so excited.
0: It is easy what to get. Some of your crackpot theories correct when all of them are this person's something else (laughs) than.
1: That's totally what my crackpot theory is is
0: However, I apologize. I don't apologize. I apologize for nothing. What do you got?
1: I well, this more and more because it it goes back to that. I'm as human as you are. Uh huh. Oh yeah. No, that's a good one for sure. Like I mean, I've been saying this for a while that Harry is not just a human. And the more we learn about Kincaid, the more we kind of have those other elements where it, it makes me question things. Like, I feel like Harry's, there's something else going on with Harry. Harry's not just human. Especially, I mean, Mama, Mama had a baby with uh, Daddy Wraith. And, yeah. like, there's... Mama Dresden has something. There's something else going on there.
0: Yeah, one thing that is interesting that Ebenezer confirmed, or at least reiterated, mm-hmm. that Harry's father... Was just a vanilla mortal. Yeah. Which is interesting. So I'm not sure where Harry would have become something else, but...
1: Mama. Mama might not just be a wizard, too. She might have something else going on there. She might be a mix of something. That's where I'm going with that, because I know Dad is just a... Okay. Yeah.
4: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Changed your thoughts on the world, huh? Oh, my God. I have a... Oh, man. I got one now. You might not... (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, uh,
2: uh, uh, uh,
4: What are you you doing? I'm just trying to think of how...
2: Hmm.
0: I wish... I can't even talk to you about this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Until a few novels from now. (laughs) Oh, that's a... I mean, this is your... It's your theory. I'm just running with it, basically. I have some ideas.
1: I, I... It's just there's so much intermingling in these novels already, so there's got to be more there's got to be more, so yeah yeah, no, that's great that's that's really great stuff um awesome,
0: and we'll leave it there and i I think there's some people probably picking up some stuff on where I'm getting at, but interesting ways to to interesting stuff, so uh very cool i yeah, I think that just about wraps us up. Woo-hoo. We will be going to seven chapters next week, just so we can finish out the novel. Heck yeah! Yeah, you know, buckle up, get your uh, get your popcorn ready for next Sunday. But we are looking forward to it. Again, it is kind of like there's there's two separate climaxes here, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely excited to get in to see what happens with this battle
4: with the White Court. Sorry court yeah. and counsel. right you, i you know gotta, it's very confusing but
0: i just it's not confusing i'm just too dumb to separate them in my brain but no, i, I mix them up too but um far more importantly than that episode one and two of ahsoka comes out tonight and i <laughs> could not be more excited about very many things than that i cannot wait to watch mm-hmm. those but um besides that life this thing just keeps on spinning no matter what I try to do. So I may as well, may as well keep going. We have nothing else exciting to mention. Yeah. we're good. Rock and roll. Awesome. So yeah, just besides that, thank you guys for keeping this thing rolling and continuing to click the button on purpose on accident. Don't tell me, just keep clicking. <laughs> oh, we uh, Yeah. No, we, we love having you. And we just passed 5,000 downloads, Woo-hoo. which is pretty cool. Very um, exciting. Again, not quite knocking on the rarefied air. S- Spotify hasn't slammed through my door quite yet with a giant contract. Maybe maybe, they're, maybe they're trying to sign Lissy up first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whole thing falls apart if they don't get Lissy. So that's probably why I haven't heard from them yet. But that's uh, just a testament to how awesome you guys have been. We appreciate your continued support. And, you know, obviously our paid subscribers are the real superheroes far far more powerful than ebenezer and dresden combined and we appreciate you second only to lissy's prowess as a vampire fighter and short of that you know, keep them coming we love uh the feedback good and bad don't say mean things about my sister or i'll punch you in the neck but besides that say all the mean things you want about me and uh i appreciate you guys so much so thank you kindly uh any parting thoughts ah oh, this has just been a great ride can't wait to see where we end up yes ma'am I will see you next week. I have been Josh. And I am Alyssa. With the podcast was on fire.
1: And it wasn't my fault. So I um, refreshed my color yesterday or the day before, and um, I went to Seven Eleven this morning to get a soda. And oh, you refresh your color mean. 'Cause because I have like bright color underneath my hair. I just oh hair color f- yeah hair color sorry mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> my my brain my brain don't mind me just
0: re- remember who you're talking to I know
1: refresh so you. I redid it like it's just really pretty blue now. And I went to 7-Eleven today and pe- everybody kept looking at me. I was like, oh my God, what is wrong? Like, do I have something on my face? Like, I'm just wearing a hoodie and shorts. And then I see my reflection as I'm walking out. It's like, ah, it's the blue hair. And my hair's up at a top knot. So it's, I've kind of got this like frizz of light blue around my neck. <laughs> All right, It's really great. I'm a sucker for purple hair for some reason. Purple hair is awesome. I had the, the last color set I did. I did streaks of green, blue, and purple. It's very yeah. cool. If anyone ever wants me to
0: join a cult or a I'll multi-level it, marketing scheme, just, just have, have a play. girl with a girl with purple hair and a Russian accent, and I will be ready to <laughs> commit murder for her.
4: <laughs> oh my goodness. To thine own self be true. That's hilarious.